God is good. And uh, this morning, this morning uh, is no different. He is always faithful, forever our steady rock, forever the God that even when I prone and, and we all are prone to wander away, God's arm is still reached out toward each and every one of us. Praise God. He didn't give up on me yet. Praise God that even in those moments where I have lapses in judgment, we'll say, God is still gracious, still loving, still kind, still holding me accountable for my actions and teaching me a better way. I praise God that for whatever reason he saw fit to call each and every one of us by name. Why? I don't know. Because if you're anything like me, you are not worthy of the call that God has placed on your life. And yet he still calls each and every one of us. As crazy or as amazing as it is that God took six days to create all that there is and then rested on the seventh. It's even more wild to think that God says, yeah, that guy, Jonathan, I want what he's got. I want to take him and use him for my glory, for my purpose, to share with other people, that guy. And moreover, he does it with all of us. That is miraculous. I just don't, always know what to do with that because I struggle we all struggle with that calling that God has placed on our lives we all say to God I'm not this enough or I'm too much this and we each have our own excuses Read scripture. Every single person almost that God says, I want you. Their first response is, yeah, but you don't really know who I am. <laughs> over and over and over again. You don't know who I am. I'm a tax collector. I'm a fisherman. I stutter when I talk. I'm an adulterer. I'm a murderer. You don't know who I am. And God says, yeah, I do. And I love you all the same. Huh. I struggle with that. And I praise God that he still calls me by name. That was a great laugh. That was a great time, too. This morning, as we, we begin this new series on base camp, and we're going to talk for the next several weeks, weeks about base camp, and then, and then we're going to sing a bunch of Christmas carols for a while, because it'll be Advent season. 
But as we talk about base camp, uh, and as we work through what does that mean, what do you mean by that major, as we go through that over the next four uh, weeks, today I want to talk specifically about who, who is in your camp. And when we talk about base camp and who is in your camp, we are speaking specifically about the church here. Can you just take a moment, too, to just see the picture that's up on the screen and, like, how amazingly beautiful that is? Not that one. The other one. Go back. Yeah, not yet. I'll give you the cue, son. <laughs> that doesn't just happen without an intelligent design. What was read earlier, I'm going to read a little piece of it again. Ephesians 2, 20 through 22 says this, But on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together in a dwelling into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. When we talk about the church, I want to be clear, as we go through this series and we talk about the church, I'm not talking about this room. I'm not talking about this chapel. I'm not talking about the Catholics or the Baptists or the Protestants or the Methodists or the, I'm not talking about them. I'm talking about those who claim Christ, that take on the name Christian, which is to be like Christ. That's what I'm talking about. That's the universal church that I'm talking about. And when scripture here talks about that, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. You have the, in, you have the indwelling of God, the Holy Spirit. You are a temple. Act like it. You see, what it means to be a Christian isn't just saying, I go to church on Sunday, I go to midweek Bible study, where I lose to the major in dominoes every week. Thank you, Ray. <laughs> That's not true. I don't, I, I don't win every week. <laughs> Integrity matters. Don't want to lie to you. It's not that. Being a Christian has a relationship with Jesus Christ cleansed in the blood-soaked cross. And, and you are being built into the dwelling place of God. When Jesus died on the cross, remember there was an earthquake, read your scripture, talks about an earthquake, and it talks about the temple Splitting and specifically the curtain that separated the Holy of Holies from everything else split from the top to the bottom is too tall for anyone to be able to climb up there and rip it. It ripped by supernatural causes, indicating that God's dwelling place, which was in the temple in the most inner part of the temple, the Holy of Holies, is now unleashed and is now the dwelling place is you and me. You and I hear me and understand. I know God is omnipresent, meaning he is everywhere. 
But you also need to understand that you and I bring the indwelling God into every place we walk into if we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Meaning, you and I bring light into darkness. You and I bring hope when there's despair. That is who we are. And friends, I know, I know, I'm not good enough. I'm too much this or not enough that. And I am telling you, I'm telling you today, trust in the Holy Spirit and just try. Base camp is the church. It's us. Numbers, chapter 2. Hang with me, it's a long chapter. Numbers, chapter 2, starting with the first verse, says this, The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent. You, Miles, you can go ahead and put that picture up there now. Thank you, son. This is what I'm describing to you. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, the Israelites are to camp around the tent of meeting, some distance from it, each of them under their standard and holding the banners of their family. On the east toward the sunrise, the division of the camp of Judah are to encamp under their standard. The leader of the people of Judah is Nahum, and we're going to just skip over that part, just to be aware. 74,600 in their numbers. The tribe of Issachar will camp next to them, the leader is that person. His division numbers 54,400. The tribe of Zebulon will be next. Their division numbers 57,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Judah, according to their divisions, number 186,400. They will set out first. See where the tent, the entrance is? Where's Judah? Right in front of it. Remember that. On the south, will be the divisions of the camp of Rabin under the standard, under their standard. His division, number 46,500. The tribe of Simeon will camp next to them, the leader of the people. His division, numbers 59,300. The tribe of Gad will be next, their division, 45,650. All the men assigned to the camp of Rabin, according to their divisions, number 151,450. They will be set out second. Then the tent of meeting and the camp of the Levites will set out in the middle of the camps. They will set out in the same order as they encamp, each in their own place under their standard. On the west will be the division of the camp of Ephraim. His division's number 40,500. The tribe of Manasseh will be next. Their division number 32,200. The tribe of Benjamin will be next. Their division 35,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Ephraim, according to their divisions, number 108,100. They will set out third. On the north will be the divisions of the camp of Dan. Under their standard, his division numbered 62,700. I promise there's a point. We're getting to it. 
The tribe of Asher will camp next to them. His division numbered 41,500. The, the tribe of Nephtali will be next. His division numbered 53,400. All the men assigned to the camp of Dan numbered 157,600. They will set out last under their standards. These are the Israelites counted according to their families. All the men in the camps by their divisions numbered 603,550. The Levites, however, were not counted along with the other Israelites as the Lord commanded Moses. So the Israelites did everything the Lord commanded Moses. That is the way they encamped under their standards. And that is the way they set out each of them with their clan and family. Look at that picture. What does that look like to you? What's at the center of the camp? The tabernacle. Which is what? God's dwelling place. Look at that. In the middle of their camp, the middle of what they do is worship. The middle of what they do is go before God. That is at the very center of who they are. Now, you know the Levites, right? Who are the Levites? The Levites were the priests. They were the tribe that was charged with doing the priestly duties of keeping the tabernacle clean, functioning, and do the priestly duties of sacrifices and prayers and all of those things. Where are the Levites in the camp? They are behind the lines of the men, protected. You see where I'm going with this? Who leads? Judah. Why? Because there's also a reason why these are put in the order that they are put in. Why they sit, the reason why they sit those 12 tribes around the tabernacle. There's a reason. God is a God of order, not chaos. God wasn't like, oh, let's pluck this one. It wasn't like he had a bowl full of names and he pulled one out. Oh, Judah, you're next. Oh, Asher. Okay, Dan, you're... That's not how that worked. God had a design. God had a purpose. Judah, the strongest and most prominent pro uh, tribe, has the most fighting men and later leads the southern kingdom. They're set at the front. Because they're the strongest. You ever seen a geese fly? And they fly in a V? You know why they do that, right? It's to help one another out. The strongest goes in the front. And the others behind them, it helps break the wind so that they can follow if they're a little weaker and stay. And what's great about that, as the one in the front gets weaker, they switch. And they rotate and they let someone else who's been able to kind of rest in the back come to the front. There's a lot of spiritual depth to that if you think through that. It doesn't always have to fall on me or you. We work together as a body. Judah at the front. Ephraim, another prominent tribe of the Old Testament, which later leads the northern kingdom. Whereas Ephraim is there on the other side. See? Protecting the back. Dan, 
is the one seafaring tribe, Levi, the tribe of priests, tasked with carrying out the religious practices of the Israelite in the Old Testament system. They were the lifeblood to God. Then you have also in there, do you see the two tents at the front? What do they say? Can you read them? One is Moses. The other is Aaron. Moses, the leader, the great emancipator, the one that God used to free them from slavery, sits there at the front of the entrance of the temple. Next to him is Aaron. And who was Aaron? The first high priest. Do you see the purpose? This isn't about position, right? Aaron and Moses sitting there at that tent because of position it's because that's how god designed it so that people could get to god over six hundred thousand fighting men and easily one million strong with women and children five times the population a million strong i don't know how many people live in richmond county but i don't think we're at a million a lot of people. Do you, do you, you see? Because like, when we look at this picture or we talk about the Old Testament, these numbers kind of get lost. Think of a million people. That's hard to think about. But here in, in, in Richmond County, we're not at a million people. And there's a lot of people that are here. More than that is what made up the nation of Israel. There had to be a system in place. The Israelites were made up of many different people. It's also, if you jump over to Numbers chapter 5. Starting with the first verse, it says this. The Lord said to Moses, command the Israelites to send away from the camp anyone who has a defiling skin disease or a discharge of any kind or who is ceremonially unclean because of a dead body. Send away male and female alike. Send them outside the camp so they will not defile their camp where I dwell among them. The Israelites did so. They sent them outside the camp. They did just as the Lord had instructed Moses. It's also important to note not just who's there, but who isn't there. And we're going to talk about this more in another sermon. But those who were defiled is what scripture says. Now we talk about infectious disease. And it's important to note that as we look at this picture here, there's no toilets. There's no running water. There's no place to like have running water to wash your hands. or anything. It was very important to not spread disease. And so they moved that outside of the camp now we look at that today and say oh they're so <laughs> uncompassionate towards them no 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 we must not allow the church to be infected by a disease we must stay firm in what god has for us we have to be very very careful Proverbs 27, 17 says this, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. May we continue to sharpen one another and work through uh, 
difficult things together. I praise God that God has a purpose and a plan. And understand when I talk about infectious disease, it's different today, right? Because we have running water, we have all those things. But I'm talking about spiritual things. For those of you who've been coming on Thursday night to our Bible study, we've been looking at in Scripture those who would preach the theology of in order to be saved, you must first become Jewish. Then you can become Christian. And that, that is what I'm talking. That is what scripture is pointing out. Those bad theologies. Those things that pull us away from Christ. Or those things that maybe teach a Christ that isn't a biblical Christ. We must stand firm on the word of God. And what it says, not what we think it says. This camp was organized with thought and with purpose. They were organized and divided for good reasons. One, it was an effective way to manage and govern a large group. A million people. Essentially, each of those leaders, which I, I skipped over their names. You can go back and read them. Numbers chapter 2. Essentially, each of those leaders was the governor, if you will, over each of those tribes. Or the mayor. However you want to. They were over. So if there were internal disputes in that tribe, that leader took care of that. If it rose to the level where Moses needed to be involved, well, they would obviously bring them to Moses. That's important. God is a God of organization, not chaos. With a million people, I have a feeling there were some disputes between them. Call me crazy. And so it was important to be able to govern them and govern them justly and govern them efficiently. It was also important that these 12 tribes, it was part of their culture. It was part of their heritage. People were known by a last name but we're not known by a last name, but by family, by clan, by tribe. You would say your name from the tribe of Levi. That's how you would introduce yourself. The other thing it did, because remember, this wasn't permanent. Because where are we at in scripture here? This is after the Exodus. This is them wandering in the desert. Have you ever tried to like organize, I don't know, 20 people to go at the same time? Oh, man. Oh, it's like herding cats. Could you imagine a million people? And we wonder why it took them 40 years. Well, part of it was just getting them going. Let's move. Part of the organization was to continue to make that easier and moving. Judah, again, was on the eastern part of the camp being the strongest. They led the way. Ephraim was on the western part of the camp, and they led 
from the back. The tabernacle was surrounded on all sides by the tribes. This was to protect the tabernacle as well as the Levites who did not fight. Levi was directly in the center by the tabernacle along with Moses and Aaron. Let me ask you this. Looking at this, looking at all the things I just described and you're going to major, what's the point? I don't care about this. What does this have to do with me and my spiritual life? What does this have to do with me? Is there thought and purpose in the way you run your life? Moreover, is there thought and purpose in allowing God to lead the way you run your life? Look, this, this isn't me. Please don't misunderstand. I'm not throwing stones. I'm not coming. There are moments in my own life where I'm like not very purposeful. I'm just kind of getting through life. But friends, we are more than just people that exist. There is purpose. There is reason for why you and I are here, why you and I know one another, why we are both a part of this base camp, the church. There is purpose. Live your life with purpose. You see, you, you and you and you and you, all of you were created with purpose. You are not an accident. Just think about the genetics of it and how the, the possibility of the person, when your mom and your dad, the possibility of it being you is astronomical. And yet here you are. With all the different combinations of what could have been, here you are. God moves with purpose and with clarity. And sometimes the hard thing for us is we can't really see the end of where God's taking us. And so we step back and say, whoa. Was all of this explained to the 12 tribes of Israel? Was this explained to Moses? I don't know. Or was it just God said, you're going to do this? And they said, okay. So often I know in my own life, when God says, do this, sometimes I say, yeah, but why? Yeah. But why? Let, let's, let's just hold on for a minute for, but why? And please don't misunderstand. I'm not saying to not have a conversation with God. You absolutely should. But sometimes... It's fine with saying that as long as we still move in the direction God is calling us. And friends, if you are confused as to what that might be, I would encourage you, read your Bible, pray every day. And moreover, also, there are people, there are a group of people around you who can also help speak into that. God is not a God of chaos. God is a God of order. God is a God not of defeat, but of victory.
Who's in your camp? You see the tribes, the 12 tribes of Israel, not only were they organized in the way, there was this spirit of cooperation among the 12 tribes. They worked together. They used their skills for the common goal of reaching the promised land. Do we work together? We, the church, do we work together? I would say this, I pray we do. If we don't, let's continue to strive to work together because you bring something to the table I don't have. You are unique. You have a unique set of skills and characteristics. And I praise God for that because we need, we need you. It's weird to think that the creator needs us and yet he calls us by name to use us. And of course, our goal is to reach the promised land. And we know today and we celebrate and will later on in the week be celebrating Marianne making it to the promised land. And that is certainly one of the goals. But you know what else is a goal? That the Israelites seemingly missed more and more. It isn't just about me and you getting there. It's about getting as many people as we can to come with us. To getting as many people as we can who are stuck in despair and stuck in darkness. Remember how I started this. You are the indwelling of the Holy Spirit of God. Meaning, wherever you go, you bring hope. You bring light. You bring love and salvation. Let us not just settle with existing. Let us recognize that we are made with purpose. Let us recognize that we are together for purpose. This morning, as the music plays, I want you to think about your place in the base camp. Are you allowing the Holy Spirit of God to dwell in you fully? One. Two, do you know, do you know what God has called you to do? And last, I want you to pray for those others that are in the base camp with us. We need to be praying for one another, earnestly praying for each other. So this morning, as the music plays, won't you come to the altar? Won't you receive from God, his Holy Spirit? Won't you come?